Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. All right, KD, those tuning into Monday Night Football to see if these Cowboys with Andy Dalton might be worth watching this year. Oh, man, they got their answer. 38-10 loss to Arizona Cardinals at home. Uh, at this point, KD is one of your guys running the Cowboys wire. Uh, there's no putting lipstick on the pig. It's just uh, it's just an awful, awful situation for the Cowboys right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ugly right now as far as not just the performance that they put on the field on Monday night, but the look ahead, the look into the future. Future for what the what hold what the future holds for the Cowboys is not very inspiring right now because it's hard to see how they get out of what we saw on Monday night. They were an abject failure when it came to pretty much everything. The turnovers continued. Ezekiel Elliott is in absolutely the worst stretch of his career when it comes to turning the ball over. It's completely in his head now. Not only did he turn the ball over a couple of times, but he ran out of bounds once he got the ball. After that, he he basically seemed to avoid contact. I noticed that too. So that's a negative. Yep. Yep. Yep, it's yeah, in his head. That, that's a negative. The defense still has not resolved their issues. Uh, clearly, Leighton Vanderish coming back helped a little bit. The defense was sound initially in the game. Uh, that was thanks to some overthrows and some miscommunication on, on behalf of Kyler Murray and Andy and Isabella. But the the big plays, once again, they were burned by those. They had people running wide open in the secondary. The wide receivers, one of the things that I was worried about was whether or not the Cowboys were going to be able to transition from Dak Prescott throwing the ball down the field to what Andy Dalton could do. And we saw they only averaged 3.9 yards a pass last night, which is abysmal. The offensive line is in shambles now. Zach Martin has a concussion. It's it's all bad right now when it comes to the Cowboys in the 2020 season. Yeah, I, I didn't hear too much positive there, KD. I'll have to listen to it back later to see if I found anything. <laughs> no, but, you know, you, you know, this game, this game is interesting. I mean, this game sent you into the abyss that is the Twitter, uh, into the Cowboys Twitter. You were, you were actually arguing you were kind of defending Elliot a little bit, and I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of interesting. You you defended your man Elliot a little bit. Now I know, like you just said, there's not a lot to defend there. I mean, the fumbles are inexcusable. Man, you you kind of said, hey, maybe we should put a little bit of blame on this defense that is maybe casting a light on Elliot's fumbles. Maybe we're noticing it more because the defense can't stop anybody, and every single fumble Elliot's had has led to a touchdown on the other side. So, man, you're up late, late last night, just going back and forth <laughs> with Cowboys Twitter. And I thought, man, what what a guy Katie is, man. That, that That's a tough game to sit through anyway. And then there you are, like, you know, still in the trenches late at night on a Monday battling Cowboys Twitter. I thought that was great. Well, you know, the darkness, these people, you know, ad- adopted the darkness. I was born in, you know, <laughs> yeah, to borrow a lot yeah, from yeah, Bang. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, arguing with Cowboys fans is, is what I do. That's basically how I built my platform. I love it. Is that, uh, you know, I started off as a fan blogger back in 2010, and I, and I built my career based around that fan perspective. I've never lost that. So I do tend to tangle with the fans whenever they say something that is more emotional than logic-based and you know, following anytime the Cowboys are this bad and 
please do not misconstrue. They are objectively bad. They are just, <laughs> it is a failure of epic proportions right now what they're putting out there on the field. Yep. But that doesn't mean that we need to pretend that Ezekiel Elliott has never been a great running back, that he hasn't been a great running back for the first, first four years of his career, and that he is also going through the toughest stretch of his career right now. He does not look good. He, he looks like he's lost a lot of confidence. I initially, early in the season, I pointed to the fact that he is running behind just a failure of an offensive line compared to what he's had in the past. The change that they've had has had him thinking. The shift in the Cowboys offensive philosophy has made him unsure of himself and his pecking order in the team for for a squad that has basically revolved and evolved around him over the first four years of his career. So there's some of that doubt. And to be honest, a lot of this is his fault. You know, there's no taking away from that. But also, when you look at fumbling, the Cowboys and NFL running back stars in general have had fumbling issues. I, I mentioned, too, just the first two that came to my mind were Tony Dorsett because I knew that he was a big-time fumbler back, you know, in the in the 70s and the 80s for the Cowboys. And then uh, Adrian Peterson. Both of them had serious fumbling problems throughout their career. That doesn't necessarily make the mark of a bad running back. I, I You know, these guys are all pros and pro bowlers in seasons when they had a lot of fumbling. So I was just trying to add some perspective to that. But right now, Cowboys fans are so emotional. They don't want to hear any of that. You can't say anything that does not blame any and everybody or whoever they've chosen as their as their basically their target. You cannot say anything even remotely positive or contextual about that guy. So that's kind of what I got into it last night with Cowboys fans. But the fact still remains. Elliot was suspect number one when it came to what happened yesterday. But yeah, the Cowboys defense. They do not get turnovers. They haven't gotten turnovers for years. And right now, every time that the Cowboys turn the ball over, it's automatically a touchdown for the other side. And it's, you know, a defense is supposed to be able to pick the offense up. If you have a turnover, if it's on your side of the field, you limit them to three points. If it's a turnover and it's midfield or beyond, you hope the defense holds and that you can get the ball back. You might be pinned in your own uh, side of the field, but you still get the ball back. That's not happening with the Cowboys defense. So every time Elliott has a turnover or Prescott through an interception, whatever the case may be, it almost always resulted in six points, seven points for the opposite team. And you can't have that. It, it's one of those things where the defense is so bad, the offense has to be perfect. And yes, Ezekiel Elliott is getting paid a lot of money and the expectations are there for him to be the savior. But with this offensive line in front of him, I think it's a little bit too much to ask anybody. People think that because he got the contract he did, that he has to now be great regardless of whatever else there is around him. And that's just not how running backs work. That's not how anybody on the team works. If you pay a wide receiver a lot, if his quarterback sucks, the wide receiver isn't going to be good. All of these things are in the context of a team. But I think because of the target on his back and all of the conversation about running backs don't matter and all of that kind of stuff, Ezekiel Elliott can least afford to have these mistakes and not have everybody basically come for his head right now. So I was just trying to add context to the situation. No, I lo- I loved it. I just saw on Twitter you said, all right, I'm going to bed. You know, argue amongst yourselves, Cowboy fans. You know? And then I'm like, all right, oh, ooh, ooh, Katie. What the-? Then I dive deeper into the conversation. I'm like, oh, this is this is pure gold. But I-, I think, and you hit on it, and I remember seeing the Cowboys fans on the broadcast late in the game. I was still watching for some reason. It's like 38 to 10. I'm still watching. You know, they're showing less of the game and more of the crowd. There's that one shot that they held for a couple seconds of the Cowboys guy in his jersey, head buried in his hand and like either the wife or the girlfriend like kissing him on the forehead like, baby, it's going to be okay. Baby, it's going to be okay. And that's what it is, right? That's where we're at as as Cowboys fans. That's where it is. We, we need somebody to tell us it's going to be okay because it's not getting better anytime soon. But you definitely hit on it. I think Cowboys fans went into Monday night being like, Dak's gone. The only shot we've got 
is Zeke just being a freaking beast and doing the feed me thing and just carrying the team and having a monster game and helping the offense move the football by running it and the two fumbles early on in the ball game and contributing to the big deficit that just had to be demoralizing so I think it was the expectation that Zeke was going to you know kind of take over and be the guy and it just didn't happen last night and I think that's kind of the source and you hit on it yeah the, one of the big things that's going on in the Twitter Twitterverse and it's funny, not just in sports, but in life in general. If you focus on which people talk about on Twitter, you kind of get a misrepresentation of what the national or the worldwide view is. But on Twitter, analytics is very, very strong when it comes to football analysis. And the running backs don't matter movement is probably the primary example of this. So people say you don't pay running backs. They're replaceable. You can draft a running back anywhere in the draft and they can be productive. You definitely don't sign a running back to a big contract. And the Cowboys have done both. They drafted Elliott with a number four overall pick. So that was according to the running backs don't matter committee error number one. And then they paid him a big extension early. They paid him, you know, he held out and they paid him in advance of when his contract was up instead of letting him walk, which everybody that believes in running backs don't matter, says that you just let any running back uh, walk regardless of how crucial he is of importance to your team because he should be easily replaceable. So when you have that going into the argument of the Cowboys basically falling flat on their face for year after year after year, and it's been 25 plus years since the Cowboys have advanced past the divisional round of the playoffs. So that kind of malaise has really sunk into the foundation of the organization. But when you have a running back be so front and center, and then the things that Elliott has dealt with in his career, the accusations, the suspension, the fact that the Cowboys let Byron Jones go in the offseason instead of signing him, the fact that Dak Prescott is unsigned. So people will turn and say, well, you paid this guy. He's a running back. You shouldn't have drafted him in the first place. You shouldn't have paid him in the first place or in the second place. All of that kind of just rolls down the mountain when it comes to people's hatred of Ezekiel Elliott right now. Um, but, But again, the fumbles were his fault. You know, there's nobody else to blame. So it's hard to defend a player. And I've written numerous articles extolling the virtue of why Ezekiel Elliott is different. His health, uh, the fact that he's constantly ab- among the league leaders, not just in volume stats, but also in uh, efficiency stats. Not so much the last couple of years, his uh, efficiency has gone down a little bit. But he's he's essentially been the one back that you can say, He's never been injured. He's never had a down season and you can always depend on him. So I think myself personally, I think that makes him worth the investment, but it's becoming harder and harder to defend when he's having performances like he is so far in the short sample size of six games of 2020. And again, a lot of that is linked to the fact that the offensive line just isn't good anymore. And it's not just that they're not good. They're not that they're not great. They're not even good. You know, it's really a, bad offensive line with very little experience right now. So it's just really a tough situation and he's going to be basically because he's a poster child for the organization, he's going to be the whipping boy when the Cowboys suffer. Yeah, it's it's, it's complimentary football, right, KD? It's complimentary football right now. There's not a lot of not a lot of things complimenting one another with the uh, with the Cowboys. So there's so much to get to. Andy Dalton, the officiating, which I think is is getting buried under the COVID headlines. The officiating around the league has been awful, awful, awful. And the NFC East, which is like one of the most ridiculous storylines. The Cowboys are still in first place, all by themselves in first place, believe it or not. So there's all these things I want to get to with KD. We'll do that here coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. 
Orbanini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Joe Burrow versus the Cleveland Browns. These teams met in week two, and if you'll remember, Burrow threw 61 times. Don't expect that in this one, but he finished with 316 yards and three scores. Those numbers are just slightly better than what is being allowed by Cleveland on the year at 290 and just over two touchdowns. Approaching 303 is within reason, but be very happy with 280 and two. Running back Latavius Murray of the New Orleans Saints versus the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans is fresh off of their bye, and they face a defense that has given up eight rushing touchdowns in six games, plus allowing more than 100 yards per game on the ground to the position. While the scoreboard usually dictates Murray's role in the offense, he has seen at least 10 touches in each of his last three games and in four of the five contests that he's played this year. Carolina is dreadful against running backs. Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions faces the Atlanta Falcons on the road. While Jones has been awfully silent of late, producing only 17 yards in his last two games combined, and he has no touchdowns with Kenny Galladay in the lineup, there's still upside here. Atlanta has given up the fifth most points in both prominent fantasy football scoring systems. Most of the damage has come via being the second worst defense for yardage and the seventh for catches allowed. This game also has a potential for a shootout given how poor Detroit's defense has played most of the season. Another player who at one point was featured prominently in fantasy football, Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. On Thursday night, he travels to Philadelphia for a top six matchup in all meaningful statistics for fantasy. This defense has given up the fourth most catches, sixth most yardage, and sixth highest touchdown efficiency rating. It hasn't been pretty for the Giants, especially for Ingram. At some point, it's going to click, and gamers have to be ready to take the chance and not miss out on such a premier matchup. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Katie, on the topic of Andy Dalton, now we knew he wasn't going to replace even half of what Dak Prescott could do. He's a different player completely. But this was not a great debut for him, was it? Because, so first of all, with a veteran guy like Dalton, you'd expect him to get you in the right play. You'd expect him to set his protection, even if his offensive line is freaking in, in, incapable of blocking people, you'd expect him to at least get guys in the right spots to like win battles, right? And it just seemed like the Cowboys would like stay in a play that had no chance, right? Running the ball into just a crowd of Cardinals defenders where it's just like, man, that, that play was never going to work and stuff like that. I mean, it just seemed like some of his decision-making, his checks at the line, like everything just it wasn't that good it wasn't a great Andy Dalton debut he didn't instill a lot of confidence that man thank god we got this guy to back up Dak right I mean it it just wasn't it wasn't great yeah I think one of the things that you have to do is there's a lot of prognostication when it comes to football you see something you imagine that is going to play out one way but then once you get the evidence are you willing to then reverse engineer what you saw so I thought that Andy Dalton was going to play reasonably well. I was worried that because of the Cowboys offensive line, the loss of the tackles, that because of Dak Prescott's mobility and the loss of that in the offense, that we would have to see three-step drops, slants, things that are quick hitting to be able to get the ball out because I do not trust Andy Dalton to play anywhere near Dak Prescott's level if he's flushed out of the pocket on the run, those sorts of things. 
So the offense failed him in that regard. That's not to excuse Andy Dalton's performance. It was horrible. We saw the, what should have been a pick six. He threw to Cowboys killer Jordan Hicks that the yeah. linebacker just absolutely dropped the ball. That was one of the worst passing decisions I've ever seen in my life. Early in the game, too. Uh, just terrible. Yeah, early in the game. That, that set the tone. That set the tone. But one of the things that I thought about while I was watching the game was this. We've talked all offseason or all season about the fact that the Cowboys didn't have an offseason. They didn't have the OTAs. They didn't have the work in, in the summer. Uh, training camp was truncated. There were no preseason games. And what happens in the preseason games? Your start, your starting quarterback plays one series in, in week two. They play, you know, a quarter and a half in week three, and that's it. Everything else goes to the backup quarterback. That didn't happen for Andy Dalton. And Andy Dalton is learning a new system. No matter what you say about what he's done with his multiple offensive coordinators in Cincinnati, this is his first time working with Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy in this offense. And he got absolutely no work during the offseason to be able to integrate himself into the offense. We know that this past week they gave Ben DiNucci the third quarterback. For some reason, they were trying to get him ready as well. So Andy Dalton, in his first week as being QB1, didn't even get the full complement of work that you would expect for a quarterback to do when he has to get used to the weapons around him. So a lot of what we saw last night seemed to be A, Dalton making his first start in a new offense and B, Dalton not being very good. So the combination of that made it look ridiculously bad. Mm. But I think there's still going to be room for improvement the more time he gets in the offense. Because face it, right now, there's no other choices. Uh, you can't play Ben DiNucci. He was a seventh-round draft pick. I don't think they're ready to turn to him. They didn't even let him throw the ball once he got in there uh, for garbage time last night. So I don't think they have much confidence in him. We know that the Cowboys uh, were flirting with uh, – they signed Garrett Gilbert, and they were also trying to get a Detroit – uh, quarterback and they were probably going to go with four quarterbacks for the week so so we don't think that they have much confidence in those guys Andy Dalton is going to be it I think that his play will improve the more time he gets under center but for a first debut for you know for a premier under center as a starting quarterback it's kind of to be expected he would struggle now struggling that bad probably not but again with the offensive line and they played horribly the first series of the drive the, the first series of the game the tackles were beaten on every single play they ran it to Elliott, they passed to Elliott. It was just complete demolition of the offensive line. And that obviously got in his head. He he saw ghosts. He was getting hit. He was getting pressured. And he just wasn't playing well. But I do think that as he gets more experience under his belt, that performance will improve because honestly, it can't go anywhere but up. Yeah. 3.9 yards in the attempt is, is incredibly bad. We can only hope it gets better. We can only hope. We yeah. can only hope. That, that was probably <laughs> a tough spot. First game home with some fans in the stands Monday night. Tough spot. Tough spot. You know, like maybe the deck was stacked against him a little bit there. But man, uh, speaking of the deck being stacked against you, now no one's going to give you any benefit of the doubt when you lose 38 to 10 or whatever the hell the score was. It was the Cowboys got their butts kicked. So it's not like the refs had anything yeah. really to do with it. But you were pretty yeah, upset. But. On, you were, <laughs> yeah, but, but you were pretty upset, Katie. I'm going to give you a couple minutes here just to vent on that because, you know, CeeDee Lamb gets tackled in the open field and it ends up being a key interception that kills a Cowboys drive and obviously leads to more Cardinals points. Look, so I think the only the only justification you can give an official is that it looked like CD kind of made a double move or some type of move there. He was making a cut and he kind of dipped and it, it might have looked in real time like they tangled feet. So that would be the only explanation. But you look back on it. No, no, he did make a second move. The defender was fooled and the defender hit him. So that that's that's the only explanation. And I think with COVID and everything else going on in the league and in the world right now and, and you know, the uh, the election coming up, nobody's really talking about NFL officiating. And it's been it's been pretty bad across the league. It's, it, it's not just like it's not just the Cowboys. It's been bad across the league and there's all kinds of weird calls going on. And we're, they were supposed to only call the clear and obvious penalties right straight up to start the season. And they're just calling. It's all over the place. It's it's as bad as ever. 
And, and last night was so egregious because and one of the, what, what I said was it sucks that the Cowboys are playing so badly that we can't even really be upset exactly at the referees because, you know, they were just playing like absolute trash outside of this. But to set the scene for those who don't remember and for those who don't remember, I am so envious of you that you've been able to wash this stain out of your brain of what it looked like on Monday night. But the Cowboys tried to score before the half. Michael Gallup dropped a clear touchdown. He just dropped it in the end zone. Brutal. That would have cut the lead to 21 to 7 and the Cowboys were getting the ball back at the beginning of the second at the beginning of the second half. So the Cowboys do get the ball back and instead of being down 21 to 7, they're down 21 to 3. But they actually get to drive it. Ezekiel Elliott starts, uh Dalton finds Cooper, they get 26 yards in the play. He finds uh CD Lamb on a couple plays and then he goes back to CD Lamb for a third time. And as you said, CD Lamb put on a glorious double move that absolutely ate Dre Kirkpatrick up. And Kirkpatrick tackles him. He just basically grabs him around the waist. CeeDee Lamb stumbles. Kirkpatrick continues around like he's a wide receiver and intercepts Andy Dalton. Clear, obvious defensive pass interference and the ref swallowed the whistle. And then the Cowboys were so in shock and they were so shell-shocked from being that bad during the game, they didn't even protest. It was like they just threw their hands up and like, what are you guys doing not calling that play? They should have been irate. They should have been, they should have stormed Normandy <laughs> at that point just because left, it was so... The field. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was just so egregious that they didn't call that play. And then the icing on the cake was that with the Cardinals getting the ball back, they drive down the field and they get down to second and I believe it was second and five at the Dallas seven yard line. And they called the absolute most pity pat defensive pass interference on Jordan Lewis to give them first and goal at the one. And it was like, how do you call how did the same referee call that a pass interference and not call the one earlier in the game that should have obviously allowed the Cowboys to have some momentum. Now, if they don't, there's no guarantee that the Cowboys score, but they had momentum. They came out of halftime. They were looking good. They were moving the ball. Again, no guarantee that they score, but it felt like that play just took all of the wind out of the Cowboys' sails, and you knew that they were going to get ran from that point forward. It was ugly before that. So you can't say that that play changed the game, but it definitely muted any chance the Cowboys had of pulling off one of their now infamous comebacks. And after that point, you saw the whole mood of the team. They were low after the Ezekiel Elliott fumbles and falling down 14 nothing early, but they were absolutely... desolate and in despair after that call was not made and they turned the ball over there. And that that was a wrap. The game was over from 12 minutes left in the the third quarter. I had to do that for you. Did that feel feel any better, KD, getting that out, getting that off your chest or or no? I'm a little bit more (laughs) upset now. All right. Well, there's good news, though. There's good news. The Cowboys are still in first place in the NFC East and in, in things. In no, the that's division. not good news. That's not good news. <laughs> well, well, I get, in some way, you can look at it. And uh, yeah, no, it's 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 insane news is what it is. And uh, this division's finally going to start ironing itself out over the next few weeks because these teams are all going to start playing each other, uh, including this week. So Katie and I will talk about the ridiculous NFC East coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. Here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 7 Sunday night football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucs are coming off their most impressive win of the season, beating the Green Bay Packers 38-10 in Week 6 to move to 4-2. The Raiders, who are 3-2, are coming off a Week 6 bye after stunning the Kansas City Chiefs with a 40-32 road win in Week 5. The Buccaneers come in as three-point road favorites, 
Las Vegas Raiders, their home dogs, plus three, over under a 53 and a half. Buccaneers, they got a win by four points to cover that spread. I'm back in the Raiders. They stay within three points. They might even win outright. I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the plus 130 money line for the home Raiders. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more. With all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook, subscribe to Bet Slip and Podcast with new episodes every Friday morning. Be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I saw this stack, KD, that was like just, it made me spit up my coffee this morning. Honestly, it did. Uh, the Cowboys have a better shot at 2-4 and four of hosting a playoff game than the Steelers do at 5-0. and oh. So I feel like the NFL should probably change this rule. The NFC East is going to make the, NF- the NFL change the rule that every division winner has to f- host in the first round of the playoffs because, oh my God, this is, uh, this, we're in for something here. This, this could be a sub-500 team uh, hosting a playoff game this year for, uh, for the NFC East, but... Man, what do you make of this division? Cowboys, they're still they're still in first place. Yeah, I would at this point I would bet money that the <laughs> NFC East winner is going to have at the most seven wins. I think it could be a six and ten team. Oh man. And at that point you just at, at, at the point you just do what they do in the Premier League and you just demote everybody into whatever nether region that you have to go <laughs> yeah. into once you're playing this badly. It's an embarrassment. It's it's an embarrassment. The Cowboys, the injury toll is so monumental. The Eagles' injury toll is so monumental. Crazy. The Giants' just lack of talent is so monumental. <laughs> You're right. I would not I would not be surprised if Washington, of all the teams, gets their act together and ends up winning this thing at six and ten. I am worried that the Cowboys are going to lose this game on Sunday uh, because they can't stop anybody. They they've given up so many points to so many young, inexperienced quarterbacks. I mean, look look at what's happened. Kyler Murray is in his second year. Uh, Daniel Jones is in his second year. Uh, Baker Mayfield is in his third year, but he's not any good. And they're getting, letting these guys just run roughshod over them. I have no doubt that Kyle... What is the name of the quarterback? I don't even Kyle, know the name of Washington quarterback. Kyle right now. Allen, I think. Kyle Allen? Yeah, Kyle Allen. I have no doubt that he's going to go for a career game against the Cowboys defense next week. It's just... It's unbelievable how bad they are. So I said before the break that it's not good news that the Cowboys still in first base because the Cowboys aren't a good team. They're going to get in the, into the playoffs. They're going to get embarrassed. Uh, sure, there's, you know, the light, the the candle, you know, um, uh, what, what's her name? The Stark girl that was supposed to put the camera in the, in the tower. They, they had that kind of hope that they could do something uh, towards the end of the season and get hot or on a roll and everything come into place. But realistically, this isn't a good team. This is the team that's going to get embarrassed in the playoffs and it's going to be an embarrassment to have them in the playoffs the way that they're playing right now so for all intents and purposes i will never ever condone tanking but realistically the cowboys are probably better in line for a top 10 draft pick than they are to make any noise in the playoffs i think that's for sure how bad it could get they're a half a game above on philadelphia uh, above philadelphia and i would have to say that carson wentz is probably even as bad as a season as he's having looking like the best quarterback in the division so you would probably say that the eagles are going to end up uh being better than than the cowboys when it all is said and done 
And if that's the case, then the Cowboys are looking at a top 10 pick to try to solve this this talent issue that they have on this roster. No, I think it's a great point. Yeah, the defense. I, I, actually, I like that. He said, Kyle, he said, Kyle, I don't even know who this guy is, but he's going to have a career game against the Cowboys this weekend. So that was <laughs> that might have been my favorite comment of the, of the show so far. So yeah, the defense is, they've only allowed 218 points, Katie. It's only 36 points a game they're allowed. So, uh, oh right. God, it's, it's, right. it's insane. Yeah, I think, I think uh, it's got to be Philly's division now. You, I mean, but... Like you said, they're decimated too. I haven't heard of one receiver or pass catcher on that team that Carson Wentz is thrown to. I haven't heard of any of them. You put on the game. No. He's, he's thrown to these these guys, and I'm like, who the hell are these guys? I've never heard of any of Fulgham. them. Fulgham. Yeah. There's a guy named Fulgham. Ha- has there ever been an NFL player named Fulgham? That's the first time I've heard that last name in the history of history. So I have no idea who, who these guys that he's throwing to is right now. Ertz is going to be gone for a month. He has no wide receivers. But I would still probably bet money that the Eagles are going to end up on top. And good riddance. So, get, you know, put them at pick number 21 or whatever it is uh, for the worst team in the playoffs. Let them not get a great draft pick and let the Cowboys luck up and get a top 10 guy and hopefully pull some kind of miracle and get a corner that can play opposite Trevon Diggs. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm already on draft prep. That, yeah. That's really where I am right now. My When I sat down after the game, I wrote my couple of reaction articles and then I start planning on, okay, but what do you want to try to get to this week? And the first thing that's not, that I thought of was, okay, let's post an NFL draft order. It's October, man. It's October, and I'm thinking about draft order. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, I know, Katie. You're excited for the NFC East at center stage on Thursday Night Football. Eagles, Giants. You're 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 excited. You're excited to see this. I, see how this all breaks down. I, I am pretty excited that I will not have to watch Thursday Night Football. <laughs> yes, yeah. so I am excited. <laughs> all right, man. Appreciate you, uh, man. What a, what a time it is to be a Cowboys writer and a Cowboys fan, man. It is every every show is just. Uh, I keep calling it a therapy session, and, and that's exactly what it is. So next week, I'm going to lay down on the couch, facing up at the ceiling, and I'm, I'm going to listen to you, uh, you. You tell me that it's all going to be okay, all right? Yeah, I can't lie to you, brother. I can't do it. <laughs> Take care of yourself, right? All right, man. Be good. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.